Welcome to the apartment library. It's our apartment, and we have so many books, it looks like a library. Thank you for pressing play on this episode. We're glad that you're here. And what we usually do here is we try to make the other one read books that we don't want to fucking read. <laughs> no, that's no not we, we try and select books that we're both interested in. <laughs> and today's book, Flowers for Algernon by Daniel Keyes. And before people get up in arms, I know that there's some sort of debate about how you pronounce Algernon. Well, this is how we're going to pronounce Algernon, because algebra and Algeria and all that shit. True. That, so. That's some good evidence that it's a J. Yeah, that, that's that's how I thought you would say it, given that, you know, the only words that I can think have that sequence of letters are pronounced J. 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 True. And this book was, it's pretty old. It was like published, I think, 1966 60s. or something. Yeah. So it's been around for a while. Yeah. Yeah, Over so 50 years. I guess you could say it's a classic. It's definitely a modern classic. It's one of those books where, like, I mean, we don't even need to like do a summary. Like, pretty much everybody knows what happens in this book. Yeah. At, at least, you know, like if you have some sort of general understanding of literature of the 20th century. But yeah, it definitely has entered the public consciousness. Yeah, it seems to be pretty well known. Mm -hmm. So straight up. The synopsis of the book can easily be summarized, and Charlie Gordon, a 32-year-old kid with phenylketonuria, that's, that's a word, or PKU, which is an inborn error of metabolism that results in decreased metabolism of the amino acid phenylalanine. These are totally words that I'm not used to. <laughs> well, it would be kind of weird if you were. Well, I mean, you know, science. Yeah. And... He undergoes a novel surgery aimed to increase his IQ. Because I think at the beginning it's like a 70 IQ, 60 or 70. Yeah, it's very low. He's like extremely developmentally delayed. Mm -hmm. Like he can, he can function, he has a job and all that, but very, very limited abilities. Mm -hmm. And he's sweet, he's kind. He doesn't realize that people are like poking fun at him or like straight up being super mean to him, right? Yeah, he's so trusting and, mm -hmm. and so gentle and naive. Okay. So first things first, you just finished this book like 15 minutes ago. Yes. And so I, this is really fresh. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and I finished the book like four years ago. <laughs> so quite a disparity there. I know. I've been fucking waiting for you to read it. And I finally came around, didn't I? <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you know, I said that everybody knows this, what the story is. And I had an inkling, I had a general idea, but I don't think I ever saw uh, an adaptation or read anything about it. I just knew that it was a popular book. I just knew that it was famous and celebrated. I must have seen it recommended and ordered it, bought it, read it in two days, thought it was fantastic. And it stayed with me. I've listened to like a, a couple of podcasts about it over the years, I think, and uh, it's there's definitely a punchline to the whole thing. There's definitely uh, the one element that stuck with me forever after. So we'll get to that in a bit. But since you just finished yeah. it, we'll do we'll do this interview style. Cool. So I'm just going to ask you questions about it. Interesting. All Let's right. do it. So how are you doing today? Good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> I'm fine, I think. <laughs> so is there anything you didn't like about this book? Mm, I don't think so. Cool. Like, Listen honestly, <laughs> I mean, I can elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, like, there's nothing that stuck out to me as a weakness in the book or anything like that. 
the story was engaging. Like same as you, I read it in two or three days. Like it was a book that you could just sit there for hours on end and read through. Mm -hmm. So it was really engaging, really interesting the way the book is written because it shows Charlie's IQ like rising really, really quickly. And then of course the decline as well. So you, you get that through the story, how it's written because it, it is written from his perspective. It's like his journals. Yeah. It's an epistolary novel, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's journal progress entries. reports. They yeah. call them. So. And there's, I, I remember there's this really neat thing where, uh, Alice, Alice, yeah. was yeah. it Kinesi? Kinian or something? Kinian. Unless I misread that in Kinian. my brain, but I think it's Kinian. Yeah. Uh, she tells him to look up every word that he doesn't know how to spell in the dictionary. Mm -hmm. So that's a really, really smart way from Keyes, the author, to l leave that phase behind, right? To like start writing properly and give himself not an excuse, but a reason for Charlie's language to improve significantly from the beginning. Because in the beginning, it's full of misspelled words. Uh, the grammars and text are all over the place, right? Yeah. And there's another book. Push by Sapphire. I mm -hmm. uh, can't remember the name of the movie that is based on it. Uh, Precious. Is it gorgeous? No, yeah, Precious. Precious. Yeah. Th that book is written in a similar way from what I remember. That movie is brutal. Yeah. But yeah. it was written in a similar way where you can see the progression of the character's writing abilities mm -hmm. as time goes on. So that yeah. was a really cool aspect of this book. Yeah. That, that, that story also uh, happens in New York, right? Yeah, so I think a, so. Yeah. There's a bit of a, yeah, I think it's in the Bronx. Mm hmm. Um, and at some point, Charlie lives in Manhattan, I think. Oh, uh, I, I didn't catch that. I think it's when, quite like, possible, but he's in a relationship with Faye, and he gets that. Uh, His apartment's in Manhattan. Is that? I think so. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, that, that's. Oh, like, it could be. I just it just didn't yeah. stick with me when I read it. But yeah, to answer your question, I, I honestly, I mean, it's I haven't had much time to sit on this book <laughs> until now, but I can't. I don't have any criticisms really. <laughs> So how did you feel about uh, Charlie's progression towards the apex of his intelligence? Apex predator all day. Oh, crap. No, we're not <laughs> Reference doing. to we'll a really weird no, movie doing. we watched a while ago. But um, it was really interesting. Like, like I said, the writing style really drills it into you that, wow, look at how much he's learning and look at how fast he's progressing. And... Uh, yeah, it reminds me of like a short story by Ted Chiang, because there's one short story mm -hmm. in, in that collection that we have uh, on our shelf. At where, the apartment library. Yes, we have it at the apartment <laughs> library. But it's a similar story where it's someone who yeah. gets really smart yeah. quickly. and I love that story. Yeah, you read it too? Oh yeah, I can't remember what cool. it was called. Give me just a second. But yeah, it was, I think in that case, like he gets like superhuman almost like a computer level intelligence. So it's in, in this book, Charlie, I think they it's say understand. Understand. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, if you are interested, we all recommend reading understand by Ted Chiang. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That was good. I remember. Yeah. I definitely. I, I read that after flowers for Algernon and I remember thinking the parallel, this is like, yeah. this is like, and I mean, not to ascribe a weaker adjective to Ted Chiang's, amazing work but it felt kind of like the superhero version of charlie gordon because yeah. he gets like amazing i love the part where like he breaks into a bank or something like that and he does like this really amazing it like the entire thing is just like it's super intelligence oh. but it's described in an awesome way what like happens in, in flowers for algernon is heartbreaking in that he gets smarter 
but his emotional maturity doesn't grow, right? Yeah. So as he becomes smarter, he remains like a toddler in that mm -hmm. he's, you know, set in his ways and he becomes spiteful really easily and he just doesn't want to do what others want him to do. And he gets like ridiculously smart at one point, right? Oh, he's really, really smart. I think at one point in the book, they say that they suspect his IQ would triple or something. So it would be... It, it reaches 185. Okay, so, really? So it's okay, like so a level. bit more than double... Like yeah. maybe two and a half times or whatever. So very, very smart. And it's sad because then he looks back on his life previously and he realizes that people were making fun of him all the time. Oh, yeah. He understands the events of yeah. the past. Now yeah. that he is, quote unquote, intelligent, he understands that he was being abused and that his family mm -hmm. were horrible to him and that the people he worked with were absolute horrible. assholes to him. Yeah. So it's it's sad in a sense because... Obviously, with these this new intelligence, he gets to do things and understand things, and it's what he's always wanted. Even when he was like prior to the surgery and all that, he kept saying, "I want to get smart. I want to get smart." Mm -hmm. So he achieved that dream, but then he realizes that it's it's harmful in a sense because it's tough to go back and look at your past and, and understand it in a different light and mm -hmm. realize that people suck <laughs> yeah. and like you were mistreated and all that and of course i think as he, he he can understand that more like he kind of accepts it and he doesn't it's not like it ruins him or anything he, mm -hmm. he kind of sees it in a really intelligent way but it is a, the downside of his um mm -hmm. newfound intelligence for sure in different ways that that happens in real life right or it either happens in the way it happens in the book or it's kind of worse, you know, when like children grow to realize that, you know, they were being abused or neglected in a certain way that they didn't understand. However, children are, are very perceptive, mm -hmm. you know, like we very often fail to ascribe to them the level of perception that they actually do have. Like children know that parents are fighting, that parents are being shitty to each other, that they're not providing or, you know, that they're poor or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but nevertheless, there is still that when you look back at events of your past, especially from your childhood, and you understand them in a different light. And that's one of the tremendously sad elements of this book, right? That as, he, as his intelligence increases in his emotional intelligence or emotional behavior doesn't, it becomes more and more problematic for him, right? Yeah, it's it's hard for him to adapt to his new reality. Mm -hmm. And there's that is probably best exemplified in the dichotomy of relationships he has with Alice and the Fae. Mm -hmm. You remember anything about that? Because I I remember vaguely yeah. the fact that like he can't really he has a hard time with Alice because yeah. like they want to you know get intimate and all that, and he. When he's with her, he still has that underlying, like his past of when he was a child and his mother being super strict mm -hmm. and shaming him, you know, for normal bodily functions. Like I think when he's a kid, he has an erection at one point, which well, is of course healthy. a natural thing that happens to you. But his mother shamed him for it, punished him for it. So all of that kind of unhealthy upbringing prevents him from having a relationship with Alice in a mature adult way. Whereas with Faye, he doesn't 
feel love with her. It's kind of just more of a physical fluctuation. Huh? Yeah. So with her, he has no problem yeah. like having sex and stuff because in his mind it's meaningless. Whereas with Alice, there's much more of a deeper attraction yeah. there. So he has issues. Yeah, with her. And he knew Alice before he underwent the operation yeah. and not Faye. Faye met her once he was a genius already. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So he largely alienates the people that are not necessarily nice to him, other you know, Alice is good to him, and I think his boss at the bakery was good to him, but everybody else yes. around him are kind of assholes. Yeah. And he alienates pretty much everybody the way that he had been alienated, right? Like, I see, and that's like a really sad thing where, like, you know, you grow, uh, and this, I guess, as a parallel to things that have happened to me in my life, you know, for instance, as you grow old and you become interested in different things, and this happens to everybody, I'm sure, you know, like, you just can't relate to everybody that you are you know like this happens when you are a child a baby even and all the way through adulthood where you know your relationships are largely dependent on what you see unites these parties in terms of you know your interests and your behavior towards one another right so if your understanding and behavior changes so does your relationship very often the relationship ends Mm -hmm. this happened you know to me so many times where like you know i've just stopped hanging out with friends it just just happens you know don't hate them don't dislike them don't not want to see them but it just happens Mm -hmm. so that you move aside and that's what happens to charlie right like he becomes so much smarter than anyone else around them that he's a pariah essentially just as he was before when he was tremendously developmentally delayed yeah, and I think that's most, it's really obvious with his, colli- his colleagues, call off, his coworkers at the bakery. Because when he starts increasing his intelligence, they are freaked out. They mm-hmm. don't want to mm-hmm. be with him. They don't want him to work there anymore. Because, like, in the book, it's explained that it points out their own deficiencies. Like, they're seeing, they used to make fun of Charlie because it made them feel better. Like, mm-hmm. I'm smarter than this person. I'm more capable than this person. But now that Charlie is at their level and exceeding it's kind of the reverse like they feel bad about themselves so that's why they were acting the way they are but also just imagine in real life if that happened to you if you worked with someone who all the time up until this point they had you know charlie's original intelligence level and then all of a sudden it's a new person you know It, it would be really weird be really uncomfortable you're wondering like what's happening to i think person. yeah that, that alludes largely to, to what i was just saying that like you know you change this is obviously a drastic well, science yeah, fiction type is, of change and they weren't aware his co-workers weren't aware that he underwent this surgery yeah, so, so to he, them it was just, just there was it was just so unex, unexplained inexplicable mm-hmm. this sudden change in charlie so i can understand why they felt weird about it yeah there's intelligence increased dramatically and it still takes some time i think it's like you know, days, weeks even, mm-hmm. until he reaches his apex. Yeah, it's not instant or anything. Yeah. But. And it's very painfully real in that that happens in real life, right? Where, like, people are likely to put you down simply because they have, you know, in, in insecurities themselves. And they behave in a way that reflects their own inadequacies. Yeah. Right? So the fact that he is not the person they knew they can't relate to him in the way they used to relate to him and that's you know a plus for him because they were dicks but 
that just means that he cannot be in the same environment that he was before. He cannot be in the same relationship that he had with Alice, obviously, because, you know, he had the IQ of a toddler, but he has that brief moment where he is intelligent and attractive and she wants to get in a relationship with him. And very, just as quickly, he becomes unpleasant and impossible to be around, right? Yeah, because he is so far above the average person that he, it's hard to relate to someone who is yeah. so that much smarter than you. And I guess we like to think that intelligence isn't everything. Like, there's you still have a personality. There's still other aspects of you. That, I think, is the the tenet of the book that I think is to, or, or at least to me, that was the message that it, it's that stayed with me. So, mm-hmm. uh, but towards the latter half of the book, you know, like he reaches the top of the curve right about the time that Algernon dies, right. Or he himself, or that Algernon himself starts to show signs of decreased intelligence. Right. Yeah. I think that's the point where he realizes that, it's not this, forever. Yeah, or that there is a peak and it, I won't stay there. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It is. And it, it kind of brings into the question the whole ethics behind even doing this experiment on him in the first place. Yeah. Like, of course, they got consent from Nora, his sister. I think her name is Norma. Or Norma. But, Which is like, that is like, such a good name for, you know, like the <laughs> sister who was not developmentally delayed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it is a little bit in your face. What way? I don't get it. Because Charlie isn't quote unquote normal, oh. and his sister is Norma. Oh, okay. I never saw it that yeah. way. <laughs> Funny. Yeah. But yeah, so they got consent from a family member, but he was like estranged from his sister at that point, and the mm-hmm. sister thought he was dead and all this. So it, you know, it's sad that he was put through this, this experiment in the first place because he himself wanted it, but was he capable of? Giving uh, consent no, to them? No, and he, the scientists recognized that he wasn't. That's why they went to a family member. But anyway, yeah, it's just a sad situation. Yeah, so then Algernon's intelligence decreases, and then his overall health and his behavior evolves. Yeah. yeah. And so obviously that's, you know, like the mother of all foreshadowings that that is going to happen to Charlie. And towards the end of the book, Algernon dies. And... Charlie's intelligence mm-hmm. begins to drop. Mm-hmm. And then we get the boomerang, right? Like the relationships that he had formed when he was climbing, as he descends, they start to become a bit more human, a bit more normalized. You know, he is not this super intelligent monster anymore that cannot be related to, that cannot be dealt with. But he is kind of reaching that point of quote unquote normalcy. Mm-hmm. And then he just barrels straight down past that point and towards even worse levels of intelligence that he used to have. Yeah, and it, it's really apparent, obviously, in the writing of like the words you were reading on the page. Because, yeah, his writing skills start to go down, 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 down. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's like you're reading the beginning of the book again. Yeah. And, yeah, like you said, I think he's going to get even worse because he's like making plans to go to that Warren State home place to get cared for once he's not able to live on his own anymore. Yeah. Cause he so. doesn't, he doesn't want other people to know. And at that place, they didn't know that he had the surgery. Right. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're just, he's essentially back to normal, but the novel ends with him, with his last journal entry, at least in the book, 
and he asks that somebody put flowers on Algernon's grave. Mm. But Algernon died yeah. as a result of this experiment, right? Yeah. So it is up in the air. That question isn't answered, but it's implied, or at least I took it that way, that Charlie is himself not only going to go back to his original state, actually devolve further into lower levels of intelligence, and eventually he's likely going to die, just like Algernon did. Yeah, you could definitely interpret it that way, absolutely. I guess it's, unless I missed it, it wasn't specified in the book whether or not Algernon died because of his brain deteriorating, or was it just, because mice don't live very long to begin with, so was it yeah, a I natural mean, death? or I mean, I'm sure some of it was caused by I, I his choose- brain. Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, I choose to look at that more from a literary sense. Like Mm -hmm. the mouse is a literary tool and is used to depict Charlie's journey one step ahead of him, right? So you get to see what happens to the mouse. That's going to happen to Charlie. Largely the same throughout the book. Obviously, you know, Charlie's life and relationships and intelligence are far more complex than that of a mouse. And so is his evolution and de-evolution. But yeah, I choose to see it as, you know, uh, an omen of what's happening. And then there's what I, what I've been talking about, about the meaning of the book or the effect that the book had on me reading it. And after reading it and the thing that stuck with me the most, other than the way that people treat you regarding your level of intelligence, which is a very real thing. And All of us experience it in different ways, but we all experience it indeed. But I think the message or the most important message of the book for me was that doesn't matter how smart you are or insert adjective, you know, uh, how rich you are, how well placed and how in whichever strata of society or whatever you want. It's your emotional response to the world that dictates largely how people relate to you and react to you, right? The fact that he is smart doesn't mean that he is better off in what matters most, which is his relationship largely with Alice, right? Mm -hmm. Or his relationships with the people close to him. In fact, they deteriorate as he gets smarter. They improve when he loses his heightened intelligence and he becomes the effect of what he does, right? Of what he says. Just because he's smart doesn't mean he's likable. Just because he's smart doesn't mean he is kind to other people. Quite the opposite, right? So the message I felt is always, you know, like emotional maturity is almost as important or is just important, period, to all of us and to our relationships and to like how we perceive and engage with the world around us, right? Especially with other people, you know? The fact that he is kind loving and fun to be around when he is unintelligent and he is exactly the opposite of those things when he is super intelligent i think is the synthesis of the book of the message of the book yeah and there is like i think they actually come out and say it like in the book there's a scene where he's kind of ranting at the doctors mm-hmm. like dr strauss and the other one had <laughs> just finished the book and can't remember the name of the other professor professor niemer or something yeah, like you that but yeah he comes out and says like you you know academic scientists whatever you're so concerned about your prestige and your academic success and your intelligence and your discoveries 
but all of that is worthless if you're not like a kind person, mm -hmm. if you're not nice to people, if you don't see people as their own person, their own valuable person. Uh, Charlie was kind of noticing how they were referring to him as like he wasn't a person before he had this surgery and now you're a real person and we made you and all of that. So he was kind of making the point like you can be as smart as you want, but if you're still a dick, then you're still a dick. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, I agree. Like that's, I think that is like the central message of the book mm -hmm. is like intelligence isn't everything. It's really about who you are as a person that matters. And there's a parallel too there with, you know, just like you said, this is a theme, you know, a recurring theme in the book that as he calls out the scientists on their behavior towards someone they perceive as less and they perceive as a test subject, he kind of does the same with Algernon on a different scale because, you know, he, he does like Algernon, he does save Algernon, he, or I guess he kind of kidnaps the mouse and he mm -hmm. runs away from that uh, gala or whatever. And later on, as he... As his intelligence devolves, he becomes more human in a way. You know, he becomes far more relatable and he becomes more loving towards those around him. And he has that attempt at have a relationship with Alice. And he ends the novel with a gesture of love towards his dead friend, the mouse, right? Mm -hmm. So that is, yeah, largely the most important thing that I took away from, from that. So overall, you liked it. Oh, yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that last line, like, oh, my God, that line hits you. <laughs> like, that's mm -hmm, the saddest mm -hmm. part of the book. Because hearing people talk about this book, like, people say, like, oh, this book wrecked me, and I was crying, and whatever. <laughs> but it's not until you read that last part of the book, where, at least for me, it really hits you. Like, how sad the conclusion is. Mm -hmm. It's just such an innocent, please put, please remember to put flowers on... Algernon's grave in the back. Just the innocence of it. and There's love in it, right? Yeah. There's absolutely a, a showing of care. Yeah. And, and uh, from the narrator, from the author, showing that Charlie mm -hmm. never lost, lost that part of him. Yeah, and it, maybe he got buried in all the bullshit that was happening to him because of the operation. Because he sees himself at one point in the mirror and he sees like the old Charlie or something. Like he... he feels like he's a little like he never like that part of him never went away yeah it's it like was, a little mr hyde type of you know hiding inside of him the entire time yeah and exactly it never goes away but like with him that suppressed part of him is also the positive traits right mm -hmm. that emotional maturity that ability to be kind regardless of your level of, of intelligence yeah it's really interesting and it, it kind of makes you think like if this if ever we get to this point where there is this technology that you can help these people, mm -hmm. is it a good thing? Like, should we, like, assuming that there's no, they work out all the kinks and there's no longer this <laughs> decline into, you know, into what, what Charlie's experiencing, assuming that we can perfect the technology. Should we? It's, it's that kind oh, of okay. ethical question. Absolutely. Like, yeah, if you could, if you could make someone who has developmental issues, improve in a variety of ways and absolutely we, we should have a moral imperative to do so that, that improves their life the question is here you know uh, does just being smarter 
improve your life, right? Mm-hmm. And it does in a certain way. He has more freedom. He can do whatever he wants. You know, he, he starts making money or something. Uh, I know he gets an allowance from the... Uh, and he's amazing. Like, he learns all these languages. He learns how to play piano. Yeah, he's super smart. This. Yeah. So all those things are positives, except that there is no arena for him to bring them to light, for him to, like, make those talents and exploits shine. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have the relationship that allow him to relate to other people and charm someone with his music or blow someone's mind with his intelligence because nobody wants to be around him because he's an asshole. And I, I would imagine that this book is probably so much more devastating if you have like a family member who has mm-hmm. Alzheimer's or any sort of disease where you deteriorate mentally as yeah. time goes on. Like, oh my God. And being aware that it's happening to you. Like that movie, um, Still Alice? Is that yeah. the one with yeah. Julianne Moore? Yeah, she has a early onset yeah. Alzheimer's. and she's completely aware of what's down the road. Yeah, she's a researcher, right? Yeah. In the field. Uh, I think she's in like linguistics or something. Oh. Or I don't know. I don't think it's in that field necessarily, uh-huh. but she's a university prof. Yeah. So um, it's scary. Yeah. It also uh, bears to touch on the fact that this book was written in the 60s it was published in the 60s you know uh before then and we've made such strides in the field of psychology and psychiatry but also as a society i feel in my experience like we've improved tremendously in our treatment of the mentally ill so there's obviously people who are kind and loving to charlie in his original state and he's an adult, right? Like he's been alive for 32 years. Uh, he's not like a child, but like he needs, you know, someone to look after him to an extent. And then there's the people at the bakery who like take advantage of his low intelligence and mostly like for their own. To make themselves feel better. Yeah, for their own cruel enjoyment. Like, and yeah, like you said, exactly, to like make themselves forget for a minute that they are themselves unintelligent and horrible people yeah and incapable Mm -hmm. exactly but yeah that you know that's a theme of the book in which you know like should we be able to change people for what we perceive as for the better Mm -hmm. you know to make them smarter to make them more apt to be you know like professionally capable or whatever but that's kind of the same as you know like education or you know like we have drugs to like help you fight anxiety and uh, lack of concentration or any number of like mental illnesses yeah but it is uh, without a doubt improving you know and in this book given its age it comes across as you know this like fucking horrible state in which people with mental illness are treated in society at large but also by the institutions that deal with people Mm -hmm. of that nature oh for sure and even his own mother, like Charlie's mom, yeah. was horrible to him. Yeah. So I would hope these days people have more of an awareness. If you have a child that's born with a disease like this or a disability, I would hope people don't treat them like he was. Of course, it still happens. But hopefully, you know, people get more understanding of that, that this is not his fault and you can't just beat him and he'll learn quicker you know yeah i mean that's a that's a very human thing right like the lack of patience and the journey towards understanding the understanding that you need patience and calm 
and sympathy mm-hmm. to be able to help someone who is not because you know like the opposite just doesn't help right like violence and mistreatment and neglect do the opposite they, they're just even more detrimental than anything mm-hmm. right yeah so lots to think about for sure it is, apparently there's a movie too sorry i think you're about to say something but there's a bunch of adaptations yeah. like there's been like tv movies there's like theater plays and whatnot i don't mm-hmm. think there's anything recent Look. Apparently there's an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia called like Flowers for Charlie or something. Yeah. And it's like a comedic episode inspired by the story apparently. People say it's funny. Yeah. I tr- like so many people told me to watch that show and I watched one or two episodes and I thought it was like very outdated type of humor. I haven't watched it but hmm. Maybe it's worth giving it more of a chance than a couple episodes. For sure, yeah. It's kind of like actors and yeah, actors that I, that I like, and there, I've seen so many memes or yeah. you know just like stills with text jokes from yeah. the show that are actually like pretty funny, but you know, they didn't do it for me. Yeah. So flowers for Algernon, recommend. Absolutely, mm-hmm. very interesting and makes you think. It's very heartbreaking, but it, and it has a cute mousey in it. There's one point where he describes it as like a, a ball of cotton, like soft, like cotton or something. Mm-hmm. It's so yeah, that's really cute. cute. But like, it, it's kind of obvious, like why this this book is a so famous and b such a great book to get teenagers to read. Or I mean, you you could read this book at a fairly young age because it's so apt and it's depiction of what it is to be adolescent and not adolescent as in a teenager but adolescent as in lacking something right and the importance of that emotional maturity to being successful in life in your relationships and the way you relate to others Mm -hmm. which is largely the most important thing in life right so absolutely if this is a book that you've read as an adult, I read it when I was, I don't know, like in my late 20s. And if you can get a teenager to read this book, I think that that is where it would do the most good. Yeah, I think it is a book for, like you said, almost any age. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, apparently like some, I read online, some people, it's reading through their school. So I think it yeah. is being taught to teens. And I always get so jealous yeah. when I think about stuff like that. My God, like they made us read such garbage books in high school. Because the reading level there was terrible mm. in this little town where I went to high school. And, you know, when I think uh, your brother told us that he read 1984 or something like that, and you read a bunch of good books, you read um, Brave New World. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in high school, you know, like I, they had us written 16, 17 year olds and the prof, like the most she could get us to read was like Aragon or something, you know, mm-hmm. which is not a jab at aragon is just you know we could have been reading better stuff <laughs> i wish we had read this i wish we had read flowers for algernon it would have definitely spoken to me at that age it did just now you know in this last few years when i read it and now that you, you've read it you know we're almost 30 and it's still just as impactful yeah. I, would, I would think yeah it's a lovely story everybody yeah. should read it absolutely all right tell us what you thought thank you so much for listening to our episode and uh send us your recommendations or your thoughts on our episodes we love to hear from you that's the best part so our address is apartment library podcast at gmail.com and again thanks for listening see you next time Mm